Revving it up, babe. We got the Wiz in the house. And Danny Holmes will be joining us today. Hey, babe. What's up, my man? High atop the Doing west good. side on this Monday morning. We're here. It's a new Monday. It's a you're fresh off being from, coming in from San Diego. San Diego coming hot with a big win, right? Business meeting out there. Let's leave it at that, right? <laughs> How was the uh, the weather out in San Diego? Yeah, it's always eighty two. Comparing summer in San Diego for summer in in Philly. You say no humidity. Of course, weather needs humidity. It's like like zero. Uh, restaurants uh the other night we ate on the water down in mission bay and the sunset and the boats and the navy f-18s and and a big win that day of course uh and uh what a trip man what a trip i will say this did you stop by and see juan soto (laughs) what a trap we'll get there uh i I will say this uh, as uh, prayers and thoughts go they have a homeless problem that makes ours look like Mary Poppins. And I don't mean that to show really? they No, I mean every five feet. I'm not saying and something because Philly's, Philly's no, pretty no, bad. No, 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 no. This is out, every major hotel front door. It's wow. it's just out of control. They can't do anything with it. You hear what's going on with all the politicians. It's everywhere. Now, we weren't down in Mission Bay. It's, it's obviously less there. But up in Center City downtown, it is every five feet feet almost you know and i don't mean this just disrespectfully but not on cardboard boxes as you'll know philly up and coming at you the, the hands moving and they had comic-con out there you're probably familiar with that but I, I am yeah i figure you're one of those i've never nuts. been there i'm not that nutty I'd, well yeah. they fly in a million people that paint their hair blue. Com- comic-con's really cool actually i've always wanted to go to one it, yeah okay that's another podcast but what we saw well, it's, it's not like 40 year old doctors in in, in, in spider-man suits give yeah, me a that's, break that's what it's all about oh dear lord comic-con and they were all in the airplane coming home but that's another podcast for another day Mom and I are like, we are so out of our element. We got a few good pictures. One guy said, oh, I'm Spock. I'm $10 a picture. I'm like, yeah, I would give you $10. He was a great Spock. Does he fit the genre? I'm not, uh, you know, I don't know. that. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm but I'll tell you what, the, the people that are into it, they're into it. They're oh, yeah, passionate. Very. Yeah. And that's, they're talking about the cartoons and the comic book and what happened on the fourth chapter on the plane. Out yeah, of I my mean, mind. there are, you know, these comics, They some of them date back to like, 50 60 years yeah. if not longer they're they're yeah. not there and there's movies there's tv shows there's books comics and i don't mean to make light of it it's but a it, lifestyle but not some, in a sense sometimes you couldn't tell the difference between the people coming at you or were they unfortunately homeless or part of this comic con because they had the same kind of long hair and it disheveled <laughs> i wouldn't stay in that part of, i wouldn't buy real estate in san diego it's it's that depressing but a big win and a great trip. We're back here, and uh, we got Dan Holmes on today. Yes, I call him Stats Guy. Hey, Dan, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Great to have Dan Holmes on the show. Talked to Dan a few weeks ago, and he is the Stats Guy. He's got the numbers. Dan, were you contributing any data uh, on the Hall of Fame uh, committee? Were they rely upon you for any data, stuff like that, any input there? No, not anymore. Um, back in the day when I was working for them, um, I used to help uh, contribute to the packets 
what happens every year is there's a packet that's sent out to all of the voting members of the that are members of the BBWAA. And at that time, there used to be a veterans committee. Uh, they've renamed those now, but the veterans committee would handle things like, uh, you know, voting for the the old timers and so on. Like if we wanted to get Dick Allen in or somebody mm-hmm. like that, you'd have to go through. A, so yeah, it used to be a lot of fun, but no, not anymore. Okay. I, I'm a fan like everybody else. I watch and I saw some of the highlights of the of the speeches yesterday. Yeah, uh, I missed the speeches, but I'm hearing that they were pretty good, pretty compelling. Yeah, it's become kind of a show. Uh, I've noticed that they've upped the production value since the years that I was there. You know, it's a little bit more yeah. um, modern and things like that. But uh, it looks great. You know, it's a great venue, and um, I, I recommend to people out there if they get a chance to get to Cooperstown, they should go up there for one of them. It's it's a lot of fun. Right, right. Uh, all right, weigh in, uh, Scott Scott Rowan, uh, worthy uh, to be inducted to the Hall controversial around here anyway uh what's your what's your opinion about uh, rolling into the hall yeah i'm fine with him being a hall of famer um i think based on the numbers for sure um because of his his uh above average and uh you could say even say excellent defensive play uh if you look at his advanced statistical right analysis he's 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 rated up there in say the top 15 or maybe even higher among third baseman by most people. Um, I'm fine with that. I think that he's one of those players. I'd put somebody like Detroit's Lou Whitaker in the same category or Dwight Evans of the Red Sox and other two guys that are also um, candidates that people talk about or, or Bobby Gritch was another guy that where their numbers are very well over the line and they should be in the hall, but who maybe they weren't like famous superstar um players all the time like the, the average fan may not think of scott Rowland and think oh yeah he was you know in the class of like a mike schmidt not even right. close right but right. numbers wise i think for sure right right yeah offensively not even in the same breath but defensively he he grades out a little better than schmidt in a lot of ways a 21 mm-hmm. d, d war is fantastic if you take that away and, and zero out the d war at a 52-0 war, he's not in the Hall of Fame, but I guess it's good to see the Hall consider defense. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, I'll, I'll just mention on, um, you know, baseballleg.com, my website, I've got a ninth all-time among their basemen. So you'd think, well, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. But, yeah, he's just that guy who's, like, maybe not all that exciting. He's uh, I have 10th, I have Buddy Bell, and 11th, I have Ken Boyer, right? So it's right. sort of like both of those guys are similar, right? Really good defensive guys. Um Boyer was an MVP one year, but you know, when people think about the greatest third base of all time, they don't necessarily think of Buddy Bell, Ken Boyer, or Scott Rowland. I just don't think they do, but there's a place for these kind of players in the hall of fame. And I don't have a problem with it. Right. Yeah, never had 180 hits or 35 home runs mm-hmm. or hundred walks. You look at 281, 364, 495. There's a lot of players that meet that offensive criteria slash yeah. line, you know. That certainly opens up the door for Bobby Abreu. I'm sorry I had to get that in. You know I did. <laughs> I think Ken Boyer's a guy that needs to be looked at again by the Veterans Command. I think his chances are very little, but career war, Roland 70, Boyer 62. But if you look at Long Peak, which is War 7, right. the best seven seasons, Boyer's 46 and Roland's only 43. 
and their war three, which is their best three seasons, exactly the same 22. So, you know, it's real tight, but you know, it's hard to get guys in now that played fifties and sixties and seventies, right? We Mm -hmm. Phillies fans know that because, you know, Dick Allen, and I've said it before when I was on your podcast, um, in my mind, Dick Allen's number one. He, I'd put him in before Barry Bonds, before Roger Clemens. I mean, Dick Allen was an amazing baseball player, and he should be in the Hall of Fame. But, uh, but anyway, I just wanted to mention Ken Boyer. He needs to be remembered. All right, we squared up. I got my vote in for Abreu. You got yours in for Dick Allen. We're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we're even then, yeah. McGriff, no problem there? Yeah, no problem with McGriff. I like him. I've, I've written some stuff in the past about McGriff. Um he, unlike Roland, right, he has the narrative. He, he has a story. He was a first baseman and a slugging first baseman, home run champion for some pennant winning teams and stuff. And I compared him to um, to Tony Perez right. and Orlando Cepeda, right? So, like, there's, there's a comparison for especially Perez. The difference between it is Perez really was identified as the big red machine. That's it. Even though he played for a couple other teams, he was really the big red machine leader and a, a clutch guy. McGriff had a lot of the same type of narrative. It's just, he split his, his career up with about four teams. So it, it, it's often harder for a, a player who splits up, you know, with several different teams to go into the hall. I think, you know, absent the steroid issue, Gary Sheffield has that same problem. Right. He's got all these different teams he was on and you don't really identify him with one. Exactly. Boy, McGriff, he could, his exit velo. Watching McGriff take BP. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yep. I was uh, at uh, what stadium was it? Probably was the vet. Um, and a, a, I'm going to go down to our lower level seats, and, and the usher says, uh, you know, stop right there. And I was in the wrong section. He says, no, he says, I want you to watch. He, he knew me from being a season ticket holder. He said, I want you to watch this guy take BP. And it was McGriff. And I, I, I know who he is. I'm a baseball fan. He goes, no, I want you to watch what he does. He hits line drives so hard, they bounce off the fence and roll back to the infield. I'm like, no, that's not <laughs> you can You can only do that if, if you hit a golf ball. A golf ball may have properties to come back to the infield, but not a major league baseball. He did it like three times. And I'm like, holy Toledo. You can't hit it. I mean, just in BP, just absolutely hitting laser beams into the upper deck that looked like they took about, you know, a second and a half to go to the upper. That's probably exaggerated, but I, I never saw a BP. The only BP I saw more impressive than that was when the Yankees came to town. We got a group of us uh, to watch BP with Stanton and Judge um, at Citizens Bank. And. But it was Stanton that almost left the stadium. I think he. I think he did. I think in left center there's there's a little gap, gap. Uh, and I, I think he actually may have may have cleared that or yeah. right down the line, right, right right down the line. I think he actually put no. It was down the line. I remember now. And he he had some well he had some shots in left center, but down the line he pulled one I believe out of the stadium. We were Philly. talking to the Phillies the next day. They had to see if they could source any information about has the uh, batting practice ball ever been hit out of Citizens Bank Park. You know, like, sorry, we don't we don't keep track of that. And I, I was like, oh, man, you got to be kidding me because that's – you sit back at home plate and you look at the stadium dimensions, nobody can hit the ball out of Citizens Bank Park. I don't care what you're taking. And uh, mm-hmm. watching Stanton and Judge hit 540, 560-foot home runs in BP, 
you know, and they were in the same quadrant, batting BP quadrant. So it was back to back to back, and it was just utterly breathtaking. I've referred to it so many times. You know, I got the tickets as soon as they published the schedule and, and the tickets were available. And then I was told by a few baseball people that it doesn't necessarily mean you'll get to see them take BP. They, if they come in for a three-game series, they won't take BP all three games. You're better off having the first game in the series, which we did. And sure enough, they took it that night and did not take it game two and three in Philly. So we lucked out. But what a what a show that was to watch those two, you know. All right, we're going to switch gears here a little bit. There's a big uh, energy going on right now for the Phillies to acquire uh, Soto. Um, before I taint the jury with my opinion, that's a hint right there, uh, how do you feel about Soto, not just as a player, but attitude and what he means in the clubhouse overall? And, uh, you know, what's your overall opinion uh, about him, not just as his stats overall? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know a ton about uh, what he's like in the clubhouse. Um, I haven't, um, you, you guys have heard things that maybe there's some negative. I haven't heard anything negative about it. I think I've hinted, though, when I was on your podcast before, like, I don't put a lot of stock in like, you know, bad influences and things like that. Like right, right. there's all kinds of world championship teams in all sports where there've been, uh, you know, kind of rotten people that have been really good on the field or the court. And, um, you know, th- their job is to win games. He's got a 157 OPS plus through six years. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a, uh, 283 lifetime batting. He's got a, like a 420 career on base percentage. So he's an amazing hitter. I, I don't mind the stuff he does in the batter's box. I think it's kind of adds flash to the game. It's okay. fun. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with it completely. So um, I think that he's a guy that's probably going to transition um, into DH possibly at some point. I mean, he's still very, very young, but that's way down the road. But, uh, you know, it, it does say something that maybe he might be going to his third team here. Um The, the whole deal with the Padres was kind of funny, right? Like it just seemed a little off that they would be – grabbing him when they did but they were going for it but uh you know uh i think it'd be great for the Phillies. i think the phillies fans would probably love the guy i mean i i agree from my personal belief i think soto would be really great on on the phillies because you have you if there are any issues that you sometimes see again we don't have a true enough but you mm-hmm. hear i think guys like harper or schorber can help really uh and even trey turner the former teammate can help mitigate that and uh and really just get the performance out out of him and, uh, you know, if there's no issues, then there's nothing to worry about. And I think, you know, his on-base percentage speaks for himself. The Phillies need a guy high in the lineup who can get on base and let Harper, you know, Schwarber, Casti, some of those more power guys really start to dr- drive those those guys getting on base in. And uh, I think Soto's kind of an all-around guy. It'd be, it'd be really good to have him. Yeah, my pushback to both of you, respectfully, is that having watched this guy closely, going back to, uh, I guess, uh, after, the, after the trade and talk about that in a minute, how these other guys have worked out. Um, of course, guys like Mackenzie Gore are really doing well. C.J. Abrams doing very well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out when one guy's not doing so well at all. But anyway, when it, I started to pay attention after the trade and uh, watch him uh, closely and uh, watch him check out on plays last year. So uh, I was texting... Uh, you know, one of our uh, players, that, ex-players that we have on the podcast about it, and 
then it really started to become illuminating to watch this guy take plays off. And then this year in the recent series, it, it, it crossed over from concerning Dan to outrageous. So maybe I use the wrong point of reference when I say clubhouse and should have just stayed right on fan acceptance. Because one thing we're not famous for around here is fan tolerance of players that don't hustle. My Lord, Jimmy Rollins for taking a couple plays off when he had hamstring issues, just vilified. And, and most of the insiders knew that it was okay for him not to sprint down to first base on a comebacker to the pitcher because yeah. he had leg issues. And I think that happens with a lot of players, by the way. They selectively take a play off. That doesn't translate so well to the fans. But in this case, and I'm not comparing Rollins and Soto by any, any measure, but we watched Soto come to town and have a ball hit off his glove that he was jogging for. It, it lost the game, by the way, the two RBIs. Uh, and then jog to the wall, pick it up, throw an arc ball back in. You know, you know the guy's got an arm. He, he, he lobs the ball back in. Then at the end of the Saturday game, with two outs, there's a pop to right field that Stout and our right fielder collided on. And easily could have been dropped, but they held on to the ball. I replay, and I look at Soto walking off of first base, walk to, to low-end jog. I couldn't even give it jog. If that ball drops, and it certainly was the type of collision where you've seen the ball get dislodged, he doesn't come close to scoring from first base with two outs. He is, so I, I text that out with the replay to a bunch of people. And you're like, man, that's great that you have that replay thing on your TV. Nobody noticed that. And then the next day on the radio, they were talking. And one of the Phillies announcers, Ben Davis, was on that Monday show, and I called in. And nobody, n- none of the WIP guests noticed any of that stuff. And I said, I think you guys, what are you watching? And Ben was like, Chuck, I was all over that. We were up in the in the press row. He says, we were going crazy saying Soto wasn't even running. Then there was another play. Then he hit a triple, stand-up triple off the deepest part of center field, a ricochet over to right. Looked like an inside-the-park on run type deal. And he stopped at second. I don't think that will translate to the fans. I think the guy will get booed by game five if that's what he brings to Philly, that style of play. That's what I refer to. He, yeah, right. He, he well, won't t- that make the Philly fans happy, though? I mean, that'll give you guys somebody to boo. Like, Philly fans <laughs> like people to boo, right? So that'll kind of give people. Well, I mean, you know what I'm saying? You guys like it. I mean, I, I guess it's okay. It's funny to say, I mean, I've written, a, I, read a, I wrote a scathing article about Robinson Cano. So, um, you know, now that I understand what you're talking about, you're talking about running or not. I actually wrote a, an article about Robinson Cano in which I talked about making a, sort of a, sort of a tongue-in-cheek prediction, but it, it's interesting to think about. I wrote about Cano, you know, and his history of not running hard yeah. to first base. And I wrote, you know, how long before we get to a situation in baseball where there's a guy who just doesn't run to first base on ground balls? Yeah. You're, and think you're, about it. It's possible. You might have a guy who, you know, if he hits, you know, 330 a year and, and pops 40 home runs and he's just doing everything that the team needs, the manager might say to him, look, you know, don't worry about running to first base. Just, you know, you get a routine ground ball. Just don't even run. Just turn and go to the dugout. And it might become routine. And, so this is a, it, it is a thing. It's also sensitive, right? Because there's a cultural aspect to it that's come up before, and other you know other people talk about. They're like, um, you know, we get it a little in Detroit with Javi Baez, 
he's got this nonchalant way of fielding balls and he'll throw them in ways that aren't, um, it looks like he doesn't even care. Uh, he also has, he's been pulled from a game this year because he didn't, he didn't know how many outs there were, but, um, yeah, I, I could see that, but you know, if he hits three thirty and wins another batting title and hits forty home runs or wins a triple crown or something, I think most people probably overlook it. I'm not saying they should. Yeah, they probably will. Yeah. Do you think Philly uh, fans, uh, Philadelphia fans, are overly harsh? I don't know if they're overly harsh. I don't know enough about it because you know I haven't lived there. What I'm saying is, like, it seems like Philly. Would you say Philly fans kind of like to boo people though? They no. like to show that they're like, they like to show that, look, we care a lot because they do care a lot, you know? Yeah. I think St. Louis fans get too much credit, right? They're called the best fans of baseball way, and stuff way, like that. Way too much credit. Way yeah, too much it, credit. But but when you cheer somebody all the time, no matter what they do, you're not really uh, being the fan, right? Like, you know, Ozzie, Ozzie Smith made mistakes. He deserved to be booed sometimes. But Philly fans are like, look, we're going to boo you when you – mess up yeah i think that's the better way to do it yeah they take ownership and uh let's put it this way would he change in philly there there's a chance fair Mm -hmm. chance if he did not change what i saw two weekends ago this guy would be prime target that had posters with boo on it i mean he would never it would never last now the phillies organization knows that and i'm led to believe by my contacts, without revealing more than I should say, that there's no chance he's coming to town. I could look like a real idiot this time next week when the Phillies <laughs> sign Soto. My belief is, from my inside information, that that they all are aligned with everything I just said. The other thing is, statistically, and you're the stats guy, look at his uh, slug trend. That would be concerning to me if I was going to give this guy $40 million a year. That's what, that's what it's going to take. Um his slug trend is alarming. I mean, you look back to 19. I don't have it in front of me. Maybe Chad does. I do. Go ahead. Do you want to give us 19 down? Uh, 2019, it was 950. No, slug, 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 slug. It was just slug. 550, 700, 530, 450, 480, 390. Yeah, so that trend's down, right? So do you want this guy to be uh, lead the league in walks? Or are you looking for this guy, Dan, to be an OPS guy? Well, yeah, yeah. I, mean, well, I think it could be both guys. I mean, I, I think it could be both. And remember, I would be more concerned about that if he was 28. Mm-hmm. But he's, I believe he's 24. Probably, though, you know, here's one thing to think about. You are bringing up one good point. Look at um, two, two great hitters of our era, Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera. Right. Both of them essentially had their 10 great seasons in the first 12 years of their career, right? In the last... Yeah eight, nine years of their career, they were like, uh, really fell off a cliff. Um, some, a lot of it was injuries for Miguel Cabrera. He played injured and people didn't know he did, but, um, and, and, but, but I'm saying I'd be worried about giving it, um, Soto like nine, 10 years for, you know, half a billion dollars because he could trend way down after the age 32. Mm-hmm. We've seen that. We saw it with Andrew Jones. We saw Robbie Cano. We yep, saw well, yep. there's a lot of players. A lot of examples. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just, I think it's an interesting it's study nice. for somebody to do because you have all the science and medicine in the world today and players should be playing better as they get older. But sometimes there are players who I'm not saying that they coast, but maybe they get that huge contract and they just don't. And I, I will say that about Cabrera. I think I don't think he coasted. I think Miguel Cabrera got comfortable. Yeah. After winning a triple crown and four batting titles, and, and, and I, please don't take it that I'm knocking because no, no, I think he's amazing. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think he just, 
I, you know, he played through some injuries and then, you know, he's like, wait, I got mine. I did what I did. And, um, yeah. you know, and maybe he just didn't have years ago. He would have just retired. Right. right. Joe DiMaggio retired at 33. I right. think it was at 34. So today though, they'll play because they, you know, they're making 30 million a year. Yeah. Now we have all the disclaimers built in here that, you know, we, <laughs> we want to be candid. We're not taking things the wrong way. Just want to, it's better yeah. to express our point. Uh, because yeah. p- the reason people listen to the podcast often is to hear yeah. perspective that they don't ordinarily hear. Chad's going to talk about Soto on defense. It's worse than you think. Good, bud. Uh, well, DRS, he's at a negative three. D-War, he's negative point six. R-Tot? Yeah. R-Tot, 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 R-tot. Yeah, they align. R-Tot and D-War align. Yeah, he's negative 13. Yeah. How about career? Uh, career R Todd negative six. Yeah, so but, uh, but I, I know you're pro Soto, and I want to charge you right now with what Dan, what Chad just did was to present to the jury uh, his information. It was yeah. it was groomed for his point. He was not going to say negative thirteen this year. Which is worse than Schwarber's uh, our time, Yeah, which right? means what? The Phillies could have three DHs in their That's lineup. That's the mean, point, Danny right, boy. Right. You got it. But here's you, my point. I think I made it to you guys last time. Is defense as important as we think it is? And again, there's another thing. I mean, I brought it up. The Yankees dominated and won several titles in the 90s, and they had a terrible shortstop. They had a pretty bad yeah. second baseman in Chuck Knoblock. Jorge Posada might be the worst longtime catcher I ever saw. And Bernie Williams wasn't a great center fielder. And they still won World Series after World Series. So the Phillies could still get to the World Series yeah, with three DHs in the lineup. It's all coming back to me. I'm 70, Dan, so a little slower (laughs) before. But I believe that. Remember Greg Luzinski, (laughs) Phillies fans? He wasn't exactly a great outfielder. Oh, boy, that was brutal. (laughs) I think the last time you said that, I came back with this, that teams that lead the league in defense uh, as measured by uh, three or four different sources. So you're not just talking Artot, you're not just talking DRS, but when yeah. you blend it together, play 620 baseball, that'll get you to a lot of World Series, Dan. Yeah, no, and I'm not yeah, saying yeah, that yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it's true. I, what I'm asking is it's an interesting, it's an interesting you know, concept. Like, I, right. I, I've always loved defense. I mean, I grew up, my favorite team, one of the kids, the 84 Tigers, up the middle, they were amazing. Whitaker, mm-hmm. Trammell, Parrish, Chet Lemon. But then you start looking at some teams that overcome that. So I'm yeah. just saying, uh, yeah, I would, I'd be uncomfortable with Harper, Schwarber, and Soto playing defense for me all at the same time. Um, yeah. Here's another thing to think about. Don't worry too much about whether Schwarber can get along with whoever comes along. Because Schwarber's 30. Yeah. I don't think he's going to age well. I hate to say that, Philly nah. fans, but... So he's, you know, he's, he's got a few more years and then, you know, he, he's, he's got to be DHing all the time. We're going to talk about him in a second, but one name you left out of that the defensive assessment was Turner, who's 28th in baseball defensively. Now that's how bad he is. Yeah. He's flashy. He's long. He's got length yeah. and, and he'll dive yeah. and he'll look, he had a really good series against right. San Diego. Overall wise, when you, you just grade him out, that's where he's at right now. Yeah. And uh, no Larry Boa. He's no Larry Bowe, that's for sure. But, yeah, he's, uh, yeah. But, you know, it's funny, moving on to, uh, we have. He's no Mickey Morandini. No, no Mickey Morandini. We have sort of a, a cult following here with Kyle Schwarber because of the home runs and RBIs. If you take a look at him right now, he's a minus one war as he sits right now. All things added up. And when you look yeah. at his July numbers, his July numbers, but if you can bring him up, uh, under ESPN, uh, they are yeah. they are horrific. Could you read us his joy? Because the manager says 
after every game, and they, they talked to Topper. He says, well, it's June and July for sure. It was June and July. And you want to say to him, stop saying that because here's his July numbers. Good, bud. Sitting 190, the 670 OPS. What's his on base? Is like 250? 250. So uh, yeah. he's batting him first. He's not getting on base. He's certainly not hitting for average, okay? Yeah. There's no power, but in a cluster, Dan, of seven games, he was Babe Ruth at all the radio. Oh, he's got a bat first. All the other anti-Schwerber people, my name came up a few times, or wrong, what do they know? Hey, baseball, fortunately, unfortunately, has played over a 162-game schedule. Let things play themselves out a little bit. Because this guy is, he absolutely stinks. And he, and you can't have him on the field defensively. So there's no room for Soto because this, if you're going to keep Schwarber and you're going to keep him, he's your DH. Because you cannot put him on the field. His numbers are worse than Luzinski's. Look him up. So there's no place for Soto. Uh, but overall-wise, the, the, the war is a negative one. And you, as we both know, War doesn't lie. That's who he is. He strikes out too much, can't play D, doesn't advance on the bases. You know, but the, there's, there's a faction of Philly fans that just love the guy. He's great in the club. Yeah. He's a great guy, by the way. I'm not well, no doubt. Guy, you know? He's well, I've always felt that, like, streaky guys um, are better suited for good, really good teams, right? right? Think right. about it like, because if you're on a, a really good, if you say you're a streaky guy in the 1980 Phillies, it's a good team. And so if you go one for 42 or one for 26 with you know only one home run in three weeks, you got other guys picking you up. Um, but if you're a streaky guy on a mediocre team or a team that's you know not performing as well as people think, like the Mets are this year, another team or something, streaky guys get ripped, right? But Pete Rose doesn't get ripped, or Rod Carew doesn't get ripped because he's got his base hits almost every day. So. Um, you know, I remember talking to uh, uh, I remember talking to Tony Oliva um, in Cooperstown when he was talking about Rod Carew and Harmon Killebrew. Right. Harmon Killebrew is Hall of Famer. Rod Carew Hall of Famer. Harmon Killebrew was famously streaky, right. but he's like, you know, in Minnesota we were under the radar. The fans were just happy to have a baseball team. They loved Harmon. He could hit one home run in two weeks, and then he'd hit seven in ten days, and they loved him. And Rod got hits all the time, and they were just different kinds of players, you know, in the way they produced. So you're inter- yeah, it's interesting. I mean. If Schwarber was your main guy, you didn't have Harper, you didn't have other guys, I think he'd probably get more, you know, grief perhaps. I mean, I don't know, maybe not. You guys are there. Maybe he's getting all the grief he's going to get anyway, so. No, the fans, like I said, 50% of the fans love him. They look at the 40-something home runs and 100 RBIs, and they go, look at the numbers. They refuse to put those numbers under the uh, the heat lamp, the microscope, and break it down. Oh, God forbid in this city, if you talk talk analytics or advanced, (laughs) people go great. Because what happens is none of the radio, sports radio talk hosts or their support people, none of them talk analytics. They don't want to hear advanced stats. If you say, you know, War plus, or if you say OPS plus, I'm sorry, any of that, they go crazy on that stuff. You just yeah. can't talk that language. They're One fu- thing I will say about war, Tuck, is that that here I, I'm interested to hear what both you guys think is. Yeah. I I don't particularly like the positional adjustment. I got and you. I'd like to hear what you think. I don't. I don't well, I, I'm not. I think it's. I think it's wrong. I I, I I think we need one, but I think it's it skews things. Like a DH can have an amazing year and he still gets knocked. And uh, just because a guy plays 140 games at third base, 
um, doesn't mean necessarily they deserve the same positional adjustment as other guys. Yeah. Do, you know, they jack them way up. I hear you, man. And if you dive into D war and boy, there's that some, some deep dive talk and then look at D war <laughs> all the way down to the bottom. Uh, very, very complicated about the way they adjust the zone defense, whatnot. And you have to think reading that, that it's very, very subjective, but it's at least consistently <laughs> subjective for everybody. So maybe yeah. you hope it balances out. What I try to do, because I'm totally crazy, I'll try to take a, rec- a, a recent couple few games, three or four games, body of work, and then I'll look at our tot to see if, for instance, when our rookie came up, uh, help me out, bud, Rojas. Yeah, Johan Rojas. He makes a great play, uh, first chance. Uh, makes a great catch that our other guy would have made, most likely, and then throws yeah. back to first for the double play, has an outstanding series. So I waited to see if that would show up, and it did not initially because they didn't have a field for him. But as they develop chances, you develop the field, and sure enough, it's true to form. It does show up. I mean, I, I think it's reliable. Uh, D War. Well, you're talking. You're talking about D War. I'm talking about the positional. positional you know, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, exactly. I, so that's fine. Like, if you want to measure, if you want to compare, you know, Buddy Bell to Ken Boyer to Scott Rowland, right? They're all third basemen, so they all got the same positional adjustments. Um, but what I'm saying is, it is interesting. For instance, if we get back to whole Hall of Fame for a second, right? Mo- a lot of the top candidates that people say they're on the bubble, third baseman and second baseman. Third baseman and second baseman, according to War, get a really good positional adjustment. Right, they exactly. really do. They right. do. And, and, and they, maybe they should. But I'm just saying is there's a lot of guys that were first basemen, left fielders, who could rake that need to be looked at, too, that in, in my mind, in their career, too, as fans, if we looked at them, we'd be like, no, that guy was way better than Bobby Gritch. He was, but Bobby Gritch and Buddy Bell and Ken Boyer and Lou Whitaker, they all get – and Chase Utley – yeah. They all get the benefit of yeah. that positional adjustment. I gave up once I looked at the resumes and I saw all these uh, geniuses for were from Yale, Harvard, Stanford, and Columbia. I said, "Okay, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll trust them," you know. But no, you're yeah, right. yeah no there, doubt. There's there are definitely some select areas you look at, and it doesn't feel to the light person, and you're more than that. But that is entirely fair. Have you seen this yeah. kid with the? Uh, change uh, a little bit uh this kid freelick with the the brewers have you had a chance i mean it just came up yesterday but look at his minor league numbers uh sal i haven't seen his minor league numbers Ooh, but numbers but yeah man, yeah dear check out sal f-r-e-l-i-c-k when you get a chance you know 510 180 doesn't look like a guy that's a terror See, you know a lot of the call-ups you look at the arizona uh, with Corbin Carroll, a lot of these guys are speed doubles, not home runs. And the way they get to their OPS, as you well know, I'm preaching the choir, is higher batting average, good to see, higher mm-hmm. on base percentage, great to see, a little bit of slug because they're putting up 30, 45 yeah. doubles, but only 10 home runs. And that still equates to 8, 90, 9, 10. OPS, but the the guy can really play defense and steal bases. That's kind of the mo I think of the player of the, uh, of the future. Uh, Boa says that the Phillies uh, low A or high double A, a team double. A, uh, I think it was single threat threshers 
have their 35 games over 500. Okay, yeah, and then have, there's a lot of double-A talent, yeah, too. Have yeah, but now you're right. A lot of them moved up to double-A by now midseason, right? But Bob but was telling us about this. He goes, Chuck, these guys can catch, run, field. They won't, none of these guys I'm talking about are going to hit 40 home runs, but they all are high in doubles on base percentage and batting average of speed. I said, boy, that sounds good. That's the kind of yeah, it does. Yeah, wouldn't that, that be fun to see that? I was just talking nice. with my uncle, who's a big baseball fan. He was up here, and we we were talking about we're waiting for somebody to moneyball it from the other side. Like, why is nobody going coming in and going? Okay, most teams are okay with a low batting average, a low OB, on base percentage, as long as you can hit me twenty five home runs, right? Yeah, and yeah. station to station. Why isn't somebody coming in with the big bases now and the no defensive shifts and going? We're going to steal 250 bases. We're going to hit a lot of doubles. Right. We're going to be fast. You know, I, uh, nobody's trying to flip it and uh, do a money ball on speed. But yeah. uh, I'd, I'd love to see more doubles. Right. You know, um, that'd be fun. That. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're watching the better athlete play baseball, it's more exciting. You know, he can do all things. Yeah. Maybe not have the raw power of 40 home runs, yeah. but I'll take 46 doubles all day long. And remember which- this out there. Please, GMs, anybody listening, like, you know, here's what I think. It's like, at, better athletes is great. I, I want to see great athletes, but you know what? You also need to be a ball player, Ball though. player, ball like, player. Like, we have a yep. guy in Detroit yep. named Akil Badu who is a really good athlete. He looks like he'd be a defensive back in the NFL. He could play in the NBA. Right, he's right. A, but he's not a baseball player. Yeah. He's not. He's right. terrible in the outfield. He doesn't right. get on base, so he can't steal bases. You know, nobody can steal the base if you don't get on base. That's right. just a fact. That, uh, one of those things. Uh, but, yeah, we need athletes. But, like, you know, Ellie De La Cruz in Cincinnati, he's a baseball player. Baseball he's also player. a great athlete. But some guys are, like, just, you know, oh, he's a tremendous athlete. Well, he doesn't understand baseball, so it's good to hear yeah. about the Carols and these other guys that come up that are, you know, and that's, you have to be, right? If you're 5'10", you've got to be a good ball player. You don't make it to the major league. And I don't think that cat's 5'10". I'll tell you what, he plays on the field <laughs> like he's 5'8", 145. With power, you know, is uh, just his barrel rate, and, and then he's got a good eye. Of course, he's on base. He's, yeah. He gets a stolen base. He's on base. Uh, I mean, he's first to uh, third anything to the outfield for how about the and i hope we're not talking about everything we did last time i'm 70 maybe i'm tracking identical shape on me fire me get a replacement but how about the lack of outfield arms dan nobody can throw yeah. home anymore you got yeah. like five guys that can throw yeah. home everybody else looks like the the Sunday softball player arm wise from the outfield. I think there's two things that why that you didn't ask me why, but I think why that's happened are two things. One is this propensity for station to station baseball. So right, people right. don't, don't advance on so many and, and we could check that. Somebody could check that and find out on baseball reference, uh, how many people are advancing. And then the other one is, um, watch it started in the early nineties, I would say, but it's certainly way more prominent now outfielders don't catch the ball the same way they did in 1981 mm-hmm. or 1975. They don't Footwork. turn their body. They don't yep. station themselves up. Al Kaline was perfect at it. Dwight Evans was great at it. Uh, Andre Dawson, you position your body, you know, so that you're ready to make a throw. Now they're catching the ball way out here and there. Yep, and, yep, yep. You're you know, right about yeah. that. Now, I'm not saying they're hot dogging it. They just don't know how to, and nobody cares because they're like, well, he hits 220 and he hits 30 home runs. We don't care if he plays defense. Yeah, and I don't mean to beat him to death, but Soto's not exactly worried about his body position or, or footwork, you know? No, he's <laughs> yeah. not. But no. uh, a guy that was great at that, uh, Johnny Callison, I used to go early to watch yeah. him throw. Yeah. And, and this is factual because I was sitting there with my dad 
watch it. And I, and I think it was 334 Connie Mack Stadium down the right field line. And uh, he would take fungos on the warning track and throw home on one skip. I mean, line drive, nothing high. No, I'm not talking about yeah. balls that have the arc on them. He would yep. throw over top and one BB hop to the catcher. And that was so fun to watch his arm, you know, that's back. Yeah, I'd me. like to have seen him. He's one of my oh, favorites man. from the sixties. He was an underrated ball. You know, there used to be a time too, by the, by the way, guys, when center fielders used to have to throw. Yeah. Gary Maddox yeah. had a strong arm. It wasn't a great arm, but it was a strong and Cesar Geronimo, the Reds had an amazing arm as a center fielder. And so, but nowadays, you know, a lot of center fielders, it's not, they don't really have an arm or they're not really taught to have to do that. But, uh, it's fun to see those throws, you know, when Ichiro was doing it uh, back in the oh, day. Dave he was Parker. great to watch. Ichiro yep. was a bullet yep. line drive. I mean, he, yep. he threw a seed uh, yeah. to home. And, and you know, the, the Schwarber got to the point where we were saying <laughs> on talk radio, just tell him not to throw home because he doesn't have an assist in left field in yeah. two, two years. Then why yeah. keep coming home? Keep the trail runner off a second. And on those plays, come up and fire to second because we haven't got a guy in two years. We're going to start doing it now. And I think it was Charlie Manuel we had on that week. He said, well, you know, you really can't tell a player to do that. And I was like, Coach, he doesn't have an assist in two years. That's a 1,000 chances. So say we miss one, but on the plus side, how many batters do we keep off of second advancing yeah. on the throw? Yeah. And, and, and Charlie said, yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. Yeah, just tell him, yeah. throw to second. We're not Here's a real old timer thing. I mean, I wasn't yeah. there, but just going back to my old history thing, like for you Philly fans out there, the old Baker Bowl uh, yeah. in yeah. Philadelphia, uh, a right fielder named Chuck Klein. He's in the Hall of Fame, and he, uh, I did some research on him. But this is also out there. <clears throat> he was known for fielding singles in right field and throwing guys out at first base. That part of that was the fact that the Baker Bowl was so small, but he so you played pretty shallow in right field, but. Uh, he was also known for – there's a story that somebody hit a ball over his head off the wall. So in Baker Bowl in Philly, they used to have a sign that was a life buoy for soap. It was a soap advertising sign in right field. It went over Chuck Klein's head, hit the wall, bounced to him. He turned around, threw it to first base, and got a guy out. I don't know who it was. It was a pretty slow guy probably, but uh, yeah, those kind of fun plays are pretty cool. Yeah, that boy, you try to imagine that, and that certainly seems <laughs> But I've, I've seen everything happen. All right, so uh, – what teams are surprising you so far? What teams do you think are going to not collapse, but start to go on the <laughs> decline? Like we've seen the Marlins, you know, it's funny. I was looking at the correlation. They're, they're still pitching. So I was like, okay, what's the reason? Now they're losing all the one run games. They were at one point like 19 and 0 in one run games. And then I started to look at the batting average of the guy chasing the 400. What's his name? Marie's butt or, and you know, when you look at the month he's having in July, it's still really good, but it's more, you know, like at just a really good hitter. He's, I think he's 320, not somebody batting 400. You, just the difference between the hits to support 400 versus like 320 or 330 yeah. is, is a lot of those one-run losses. You know, just to show the impact oh, okay. he had on the team, when you got a guy batting 400, and his on-base percentage is 460, slippery softball numbers, you're going to win a lot of one-run games, right, Dan? Because he's on-base knocking people in all the time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, 
some of the, you know, the, the, as the statistical guys would tell you, that stuff's going to even out at some point. Right. It's just so hard to hit. It's so hard to hit 350 nowadays, oh, let alone yeah. hitting 400. I just, I just don't think we'll ever see another. Unless they change the rules, it, it's going to be hard to see anybody hit 400 again. I, if you talk about teams um, surprising me, I, I'm one of those guys who's really surprised by the Orioles. I, I, I knew they had some good young players, but I didn't think that they were ready yet. And so I'm surprised in that division that they're doing what they're doing. I'm surprised the other side of it that the Rays have, you know, really, I don't know, collapse is the right word. But if you look at their record over the last like 40 games, I just looked at the other day over the last 40 games, they're like 17 and 36 or something. I mean, they're really, you know, really bad. Um, as, you know, people were talking about them in May, and you know, like, oh, they're going to win 115 games, right. you know, like all right. that stuff. So, yeah, so, um, so that's yeah. actually something that I had for scheduled to talk about with, with Chuck after, after the call. But since we brought it up, yeah, as of April 30th, Tampa was, let me get it here, they were 23-6. and six. Yeah. And, yeah, since then, they are 38-36, and 36, only two games over 500. Yeah. Wow, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and I think if you go another month forward, you know, and then you look at it, like, wow. from, from the end of May, it's like it's really not good. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, that's just one of those things. Yeah, they're an interesting team, right? They do a lot of – they're the team that a lot of the analytics – anti-analytics fans don't never like, right? Every, every year, every year. Yep. <laughs> Cause they do all the weird stuff and, yep. Yep. You know, and they're no fun. I, I will say like, I don't really don't like watching them. It's like, I, I really like a Rosarena. Yeah. I like it's like Paredes who the Tigers traded away foolishly to them. And, right. but otherwise like, you know, they're probably going to be in the playoffs and we're going to see a game where they use six pitchers. Right. right? And a lack of home run. Guy, right. The other yeah. Some guy are... they called up in September right. is going to be starting, <laughs> starting for them. We don't even know who he is. And He's playing third base. They'll never get a two-out, two-run home, home run you need because they have no power in, in postseason. They have yeah. zero OPS, yeah. you know, but now they got a couple guys with power this year. But will that translate to postseason or be like the Yankees? The Yankees leave yeah. baseball in OPS every year, yeah. get the postseason, and the OPS uh, converts over to strikeouts, you know, because, yeah. because of the pitching. Uh, Here's two things I would say to baseball fans that maybe if they're looking for something to kind of watch other than their own team would be watch the American League Central. Yeah, it's yawn. It's like yeah. but a, a team could win. A team could win that this year with a losing record. Yeah, like could. I mean, you yeah, could see could. some teams. Yeah, I mean, Detroit was only four games out in the loss column a couple of days ago. The Tigers, who by the way are not a good team. And the other thing I'll say is rejoice in the Yankees being in last place. Doesn't happen very often. Maybe he'll they'll end up in. I, I I have so many Yankee friends, fans, friends, <laughs> because I lived in New York, and you know they just you know they're such fatalists. You know they could be on pace to win ninety five games, but if they're behind the Red Sox, you know they'll be they'll be crying. They're not used to being in fifth place or whatever heck day no. is today, July twenty fourth. I'm taking a stab. I'm San Diego. Mm-hmm. You don't even know the weather. You don't have to look at the weather. Because it's eighty yeah. every, it's eighty and sunny every day with low humidity. Love it. That's the weather, you know. And I lost track of the day. What the heck you is it? About the twenty fourth? Twenty fourth. You wearing yeah. like a tank top, Chuck? Uh, you got like a little sand going on? I'm not a tank top. I look more like the Are middle, sure? the middle guard oh. that got bigger. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I was like, picturing you like in short shorts and maybe like a mesh tank top. Uh, you know, that's hanging Chad. out at the beach. Yeah, that's Chad, my son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, me either. Yeah. Dad, dad played all his life at five, five, ten, two twenty, and looked Pete Rose-ish doing that, and then it becomes five nine, two nineties. So it doesn't, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, so where the heck was I? Okay, so on the standings, I'm with you so far. 
on everything. I find that division boring. I can't even watch that division, uh, Central uh, AL, as I find the Central NL. Uh, I mean, that, mm. you know, it's Milwaukee, Cincinnati. Now, I'm impressed with Cincinnati, uh, those young players, and they just brought another guy up, and they got six more you know, in the top 100 or something. That's ridiculous. How, and Baltimore's got a bunch of guys in the top yeah. 100. Talk about drafting well, Dan. Jeez. Yeah, for sure. Drafting well. The Reds have done, you know, well, when you when you suck that long, you know, I mean, yeah. even a blind squirrel finds an acorn once in a while. I think right. it'd be fun to see the Reds in the playoffs. I think yes, yes, De La yes. Cruz in there and getting them back in. Joey Votto is always fun and yeah. things like that. I don't mind watching the mediocre teams like, if they're all mediocre, right? Like it'd be right. really terrible if the NL central was like, you know, the Cardinals were on pace to win 95 and everybody else stunk. But right. as it is, it's like, you know, there's some jostling for position and, you know, even the freaking white Sox could get into it in the American league central. So it's just a weird year. Um, but as far as surprises, um, you know, I guess, you know, the angels making a push again, that's surprising right now. Right. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're on a streak a little bit and, you know, maybe they don't trade Otani. These, um, the streaks are something. The Giants, I couldn't figure out how, but the mm-hmm. Giants were winning when they went yep. 10 straight or 11 straight road games. They've lost five in a row now, now, now or something, now five or six. Now they can't win a game. Yeah, yep. you look at these streaks. Arizona looked good. I did not believe in them when they, when they were top. Mm-hmm. Phillies went in there, and I think swept them, and I'm watching their lineup except for a couple guys. I'm thinking, how the heck is this team leading the division? Now the Dodgers have yeah. taken first place. And I don't think the Dodgers – a plus one hundred six run differential. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think they're. Get, they look like they were dead in late April. It looked like they had two hitters, and all of a sudden they put together a lineup. And, and of course, well, yeah. JD uh, Martinez ever stopped hitting. I mean, he he's unbelievable again. And and the rookie uh, and uh, Smith and of course Betts and, and Freeman. You know, all of a sudden they're fifty-seven and twenty-one. You're like, man. Yeah, they're just too good. You know, they're too good. Yeah, yeah. Would you agree too that, like, on the pitching side, we're in an era right now where um, pitching's so difficult to predict, right? Yeah. Like when I was a kid, you know, you can look at the roster of the nineteen eighty-two rosters of all the teams, right? And you go, you know, Seattle's going to be pretty bad because look at that pitching staff. Glenn Abbott is their right, ace, right, or whatever. Right. You know, nowadays it's like because they're so good at teaching pitchers how to put for spin rate yep. and a guy can come in like in Detroit, we got a guy named Chris Fetter who used to be university of Michigan pitching coach. Nobody's ever really heard of him outside of Detroit, but he's the pitching coach of the Tigers. Now he can teach a slider. It's like, and, and that's the only reason the Tigers are kind of hanging in there. It's like, so you got these guys, nobody's heard of that were journeyman pitchers who can suddenly become, you know, uh, have a 2.25 ERA out of the ball. It's really hard right now to predict uh, how good a bullpen can be from year to year as, as opposed to used to. That's, that's the way I see it anyway. Yeah, I'm always amazed when the pitchers say, I didn't have my, my good stuff. Control right, right. Kind of, you know, <laughs> and I watched Noel a couple of weeks ago. It looked like he was going to throw a perfect game. And in the second inning, I said to my wife, they may not get a hit off him. And she goes, how, yeah. can, how can you tell? I said, the ball looks like it's coming out of his hand different. He's painting. He's on the black. I was re- I pulled a couple of replays back for her, and she was like, okay, that's all I need to know about that. I don't want to watch an hour and a half of you tell me he's hitting the black. But, he, you know, it, it wasn't like his miles per hour one. Yeah. He's he still topping 93, 94. His location was deadly, off speed. He was... He just wasn't – I think he gave up one hit, you know, one eight innings. Uh, you just tell that day, and then sure enough, he's quoted the next day, and he said, I knew when I warmed up I had my stuff today. 
well, what is yeah. that? You know, what, what is you got your stuff it means the grips different, the, the, the moisture on the ball or whatever you're using, uh, the baseball itself. Cause we know they change baseballs all over. You know, I'm told there's different stadiums have different, uh, humidors. Is it the right word? Yeah. It's something like that. The, 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 mm-hmm. the, how they condition the baseball for, for the, uh, the stadium and all that. You don't know all the different factors. Of yeah, why yeah. a pitcher says today I didn't have my good stuff. What is adjustments that? are so different yeah, today. Yeah, adjustments yeah. are a lot different. I mean, just think back. You know, in the seventies and the eighties, you had some pitchers like Steve Carlton, for example, who was a, a a guy who paid a lot of attention. He used to talk about the science of pitching a lot. But adjustments wise, like I mean, I've talked to a lot of old ball players in the sixties, seventies, eighties, like a lot of times on a lot of teams, you were on your own. Like yeah. it was unusual if you had a pitching coach like a Roger Craig or somebody who was really in your face. And, but a lot of guys just like, you know, leave me alone. I'll take care of it. Nowadays, you've got 15 guys in the dugout. They can all look at a tablet and they can see, you know what? Uh, the spin rate on your uh, changeup is not this and that, or the release point is this. And then within an inning, he's changing. It's just so high tech now yep. that pitcher, right. pitchers are ahead of the hitters in that sense. And it's like, that's why you see no hitters in the World Series. That's yep. why you see, you know, combined no hitters going on almost all the time. Every week we've got a chance at a, another no hitter. So it, yeah. it doesn't, in my opinion, make it as fun. I think that uh, I'd love to see a pitcher go seven, eight innings instead of only four or five, but uh, it is interesting. And getting back to what your point is, I think that's why it's harder yeah. to, to, to predict like, oh, are the Rangers going to be any good? Or what are the Giants going to be like? Well, it's going to depend on like whether they, uh, in spring training, were able to get three or four bullpen arms that, you know, all of a sudden they could throw a great slider. Yeah, and I think that and, makes a difference. And that's why there's some optimism in Philly because even, mm-hmm. though, even though the team is below Major league average in run production four point five one or it could be a three one with my handwriting here. Um, they're below league average. I know that much because they don't hit home runs and they don't walk. And now they struck out a lot. And with two outs, runners on bases, Chad will tell you they're like dreadful. They're like twenty eighth or something. They're really bad. Pitching like Larry Boa with oh, guys on man. base. Yeah, pitching wise, they're above uh, league average. You know, so they're, and they're getting better. So pitching wise. You get him into the postseason and get a clutch two-out hit uh, that can keep mm-hmm. you in the game pitching-wise. That's why there's hope for for Philly, but yeah. you know, they just can't stay consistent. And I, the lineup's wrong. You just can't have that guy batting first. And you have to wake up one day before it's August 1st, uh, our manager, and say, okay, Turner's not going to have a good year, a, a, a Trey Turner year. So I can't bat one guy batting 181st and another guy batting 246 second and lived to tell about it when I got a guy like Stop batting 310, other players, you know, hitting high enough to warrant being at the top of the lineup, and we're sticking with this combination. Now, what I'll tell you is that in the last, uh, you know, 27 games, you know, we were 20 and 7. Watch when you do that. You're paint with a very broad brush because look at the factors that got to that point, and they don't do that. They don't go beyond the record and tell you how it happened. Did you play less competition? Were your pitchers unbelievable, and you didn't score runs, but you won those games, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I I have a tendency to look at the bottom line. What did Schwarber, there's a lot of three you know? two games in baseball? Yeah, seems exactly. like today. And uh, 
you know, yeah. here in here in Michigan, the Tigers have had that recently. Like they'll they'll lose a game eleven to two or fourteen to four or like that, and then they right. you know they lose a game three to and, four, but then they win three to two. They win three to nothing. Right, and right. Yeah. So it's, and then somebody says, "Well, our offense is averaging whatever." Yeah, you're averaging that. Yeah. But like one game, we'll get seven runs, and then we'll have zero runs and one yep. run and two runs. And, um, you know, averages, averages, you know, and yep. so. Um, and Kimbrel's been unbelievable. Yeah, Kimbrel's been unbelievable for us. I mean, yeah, oh, right. What a rock he's been in the bullpen, man. Jeez. You know. How he, many games out of the wild card of the Phillies? Uh, half or one. Half. Yeah, yeah right they're right there. there. They're right there tied, yeah. you know, yeah. half or one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I still think there will be Pretty okay. Nice. But. It's a nice world to live in. Yeah, I think their August schedule is the weakest of the year. There you uh, go. Softest of the year. Uh, yeah. And I see that we're running, we're running over time. You're so much fun to talk to, Dan. Uh, you bet, you guys. A wealth of knowledge. We'll have you back uh, on soon, shortly. Thank you. Have a great Monday. Thanks for making the time spur of the moment. Uh, the notice I gave Dan was 15 minutes, uh, and he was kind enough to say, "Yeah, I'll hop on today." Thank you so much for that. Enjoy your week. Uh, enjoy baseballs. I know you will. You're uh, an asset to the game, and uh, can't wait to have you back. Always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Both All right, buddy. You keep up. Yourself. Thank you so keep much. Keep up the good work, okay. my man. See Bye-bye. you later. Yep, yep. Got to watch what you bring up with that cat. He's sharp. Yeah. He's very sharp. He doesn't say too often, uh, uh, what's that? Sorry, I. Uh, what, what was that? <laughs> He's got exactly what you're talking about. He's ready to add value to the whole thing. You know? Absolutely. All right. So I think we covered our Phillies by talking to Dan, right? We have anything to add, bud, because I want to keep it about the hour mark, and we're pushing 58. No, no, I don't um, at this point. I mean, I think actually, I think Harper at first base looked fantastic. Jeez, Lord. Yeah, um, right? I think that already he's probably the best first baseman the Phillies have had in <laughs> 20 years. I don't remember who played first base when I was five or six. I don't know, Jim Tomey. How did he not remember. break his back the other night? I didn't see the game till I didn't see the play till like forty eight hours what later. Was that when he crashed into the? Oh, he made the, a catch uh, going backwards. Thought he was going to hit the net. And he yeah, went into the and into the the, uh, the media well. Yeah, it's called the media well. Yeah, yeah. Hit, hit backwards and then crunches his back. It looked like a broken back when I finally saw it. I was like, Whoa. Yeah, I mean, talk about a guy who's just an athlete who's yeah. putting the time in to get better. Right. You know, it just shows, and I Hard work. get there's a difference in athletic ability between Harper and Hoskins, but have you put the work in, you really dedicate yourself. Right. These guys, like, we're comparing them as athletes, but they're all phenomenal athletes. Yep. They're professional players. They're more athletic than yep. 99.999. Yep. A lot yep. more nines of the whole world. So I don't really accept the excuse that Reese Hoskins was working hard and not getting better at first. <laughs> or uh, Alec Bohm, you know, or I guess he got a little bit better at third. But like I don't really accept those excuses. Kyle Schwarber can't get better in left field. I mean, he he's not the most athletic. Yeah, you're comparing them versus Bryce Harper. But if they really put the time and effort in, they shouldn't be as bad as some of them are. There should be an effort to get better and a willingness. And I think Harper is a really good example of that. He came out never playing first base in his life. It looked like every single ball found him this weekend. And he made plays that we haven't seen in a long time. Dive into his left, dive into his right, up in the air in foul territory. <laughs> The, even the communication yesterday on, on the bunt by Quan. I didn't see this. Bunt by Quan, uh, hard between left of the pitcher. So it's going towards Harper. Stott's coming in, in that and Harper went for it initially. And you saw the communication. It looked like Harper has been playing first for years. He had the communication with Stott to know, say, hey, I'm not, I, I'm not, if I get to this ball, I'm 
to, to get those going to get in the first in time. The back pedal off. Stock Kim's running over extra distance, picks up with his glove and flips it to first. Just got him in time. Stuff like that where the communication is Mental all point. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, it was all around great. I mean, I think that the Phillies are very much improved right now. Having Harper to first, Shorber out of that lineup where oh, you yeah. can just let him contribute oh, offensively. Yep. Uh, we'll see how the uh, how the outfield ends up finding itself over the next couple weeks. Who played center yesterday? Uh, God, I think it was Marsh. I'll double check. Marsh, okay. I believe it was Marsh in center. I don't remember who played left. Okay. Was it was it Cave, maybe? I, I don't it know. Was Cave I was, left. I was on an airplane, you know, trying to fight sleep at me on an airplane. That was a lot of fun. Um, but... Yeah, I did see the highlights of of Harper over the weekend, and I saw three plays that anybody else has played first base the last five years do not make. Um, and he he would not go out there until he was ready to go. You know, he he's just absolutely too competitive, too much of a professional to go out there and embarrass himself. Once Harper says I'm ready to go, you know he's he's going to go out there, but but he's playing above that, right? And uh, and that's that's great to see, but. You know, one's a team want to start to get, you know, consistent and they get 10 games over 500, and then they have another, you know, swoon. When is this team going to be uh, somebody can rely upon? It was Cave in left field yesterday. Yes. Marsh in center field and uh, Casty in right. Yeah, yeah, I'm not obviously nuts about Cave who struck out. He was 0 for 4. Cave needs strikeout. to go. The problem is every time wow, you put the guy in. 14 times he struck out. The problem is every time they put God. Cave in AAA, he looks like a like the, an MVP. I mean, he's the like 1,000 OPS in AAA. Yeah. yeah, it's like, they're like, oh, maybe he'll re- replicate in the big leagues, and he just can't he can't get it figured out. I but did see that that's, Harper, that's baseball. Harper had a key hit. Looked like he directed the ball, didn't it? That's so, a double play. The game's over. Yeah, so I was watching the game very closely. I heard you were. Yeah, I heard you were. For personal reasons. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, the Phillies, let's say they snuck out a win, which is yep. great. But the yep. defensive positioning on that specific play for Harper right. was was bad. They played yeah. him, like, to pull the ball heavy. I saw that. Um, and so you had a ball that would have been a double play. It looked at, that snuck by the diving uh, second baseman that should have been in his position which for a double play. Would have been play. a nice win for you in our pool if Cleveland pulls that out. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was an odd game. You, right. it's, baseball is weird. You have yep. a balk in the first inning called by the third base umpire. Yep, right. That was, in my opinion, not a balk in any way. I, I watched it a couple times. I couldn't really see it. Not influenced by who you picked in that game. No, I just well, I don't think it was a balk. Right. And then uh, you have the third base. Cleveland's a very sound defensive team. And then, uh, they always are. They always are. I'm blanking on their name. Their best player, their third baseman. Francona's. You know, he drops drops a ball in left field, which they called a hit for Marsh, which they, the hits are very soft nowadays. The MLB player runs back 30 feet, and they he drops the ball, reaching back, and they they call it a hit. But I love Ramirez, the guy you, you forgot at third base, but the guy that I love on that team. He's hitting two seventy five, three forty six on base. Uh, is Quan? Man, I he's, love that. He's kid. a great player. Love that. Doesn't kid. strike out much. He's the guy we were yeah. talking about on the podcast today. Yep. He's not going to put up a nine fifty OPS, but he'll get on base for you. He'll play defense. Yep. He's got speed. He goes first to third. You know, fans don't look at first to third. How important that is. Second to home, advanced lead, other stuff you do in baseball, throw behind runners. They don't look at the stuff that's, you know, not advertised all the time, you know. Yep. But uh, anyway, good to be back. Uh, San Diego's nice, but nice to come home. Dorothy was right. No place like home. Uh, we'll be on next uh, Monday. Same time, yeah, same place. How do they get a hold of us, as always? As always, uh, speakingofsportspod.com or on any of the social media. Just type in speaking of sports. You should find us. 
any questions for any upcoming guest or for any of us about the Phillies you want us to talk about, any topics, Chuck's number is 609-828-5569. We're going to get Mark on, uh, one of our most loyal fans. We're going to get him on maybe next week. He'd, awesome. He'd like to come back on. We'll get him on. He had good perspective uh, last time. That was a fun, fun, fun call last year. We'll yeah, so uh, we, we skipped rant and rave, but it's all good. We were over an hour. We said we got to scoot, and everybody had themselves a great Monday. A great week, and uh, man, summer's going too quick, isn't it? Slow it down. Always does. Love summer. Slow it down. All right, over and out, gang.